never know where life is going to take you. Some people know exactly where they want to be and go for it full throttle. Others just stumble upon it organically, and then there are those who just follow their intuition. This is a podcast about reaching your personal best through resilience, motivation, and passion. This is Mark My Words. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Mark My Words. And today I am with uh, somebody from across the pond in London. They are a business coach who, and I quote from their LinkedIn uh, profile, enable business owners to live extraordinary lives and create outstanding results. And that would be Shilpa Panchmania. And I am very excited to have you on the show today. You even stayed up a little later there across the pond to talk to me and I couldn't be more thankful that you did. So welcome, Shilpa. How are you doing this evening? Hey, Mark. Thank you very much for having me on your show. And it's a real pleasure. Listen, it's not that late. Yeah, Uh, it's early 9.30. So um, I try and get to bed by about 10, 10.30 because I'm an early riser. I I belong to the 5 a.m. club. 5 a.m. club was something that Robin Sharma set up. So um, I, I, I try and keep to that kind of rhythm, but really, really excited to speak with you. And it's an honor to be here with you today. Well, if you belong to the 5 a.m. club, then I belong to the 3 a.m. club, because that is what I've been doing for the past year and a half, day to day. And uh, I, I would like to say that I sympathize or empathize with you waking up that early, but you clearly enjoy it, so. Yeah, um, I just wanted to ask you, is the 3M club because of work or because of choice or because of your natural circadian rhythm? Oh, that is neither natural circadian rhythm nor by choice. It is because of my job. So my day-to-day job, I have to get up at 3 a.m. in order to get ready and getting to work on time. I have a 90 minute commute in work. And when I come home from work, it can be up to two hours. So none of this is by choice. It's a good job and it's in the city. So, hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. So (laughs) So I, I always say that passion will take us far. And passion will make us do many things. So it sounds as if you were very passionate about your role to be committed to waking up at 3 a.m. But I also say that once you've got a, a regular rhythm set up and a rhythm system set up, it doesn't matter 3 a.m., 5 a.m., 9 a.m. It, it really doesn't matter because the day's yours to manage and carve out as you wish. And that's really, really important. Well, as long as I will stay up too late to watch sports on a work night, then I can definitely relate to what you're talking about. And as far as passion goes, so 
when I was really little, very early in my life, I remember just being fascinated by broadcast media, which is where, you know, the field I work in. I used to take TVs apart and try to, back in the old days, you know, try to pull in stations from like way outside of my area and play with the antenna and all that stuff. And I think that's how I wound up where I wound up as an adult. And uh, it, this is actually segueing into something I wanted to talk to you about because you started out as a, a marketing uh, major in college. You worked in marketing and actually you have the unique distinction of having worked for Pepsi and Coca-Cola, but you drink neither. I, as I told you uh, previously, I am like addicted to Coca-Cola. So uh, you really not only have that, but just whenever I look at somebody's background, I always think about, okay, they decided to major in marketing, whereas I feel like I majored in something that, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to say marketing isn't fun or can't be fun, but in my mind, it's like, you know, I go back 30 years, I'm like, there's no way I would have even touched that. Like, I wanted to do something that was like around, you know, cameras and lights and all that. And that's not exactly what marketing is. So uh, what exactly got you interested in the marketing path early on? I was always interested in those days, because that was a long time ago now, whoops, I'm giving away my age now, um, when um, marketing was a totally different arena. And it was the, uh, the, the push behind what made people make buying decisions. And in those days, marketing was print and, and, and broadcast media and posters. And, 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 and that was pretty much it. Ever since the digital age, marketing has opened up to be a massive, massive industry and also one which many, 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 many people partake in. Marketing was never so popular, let me tell you that. You know, people are always getting into professions or getting into trades and marketing was kind of like the underdog. Uh, but in actual fact, it's marketing that makes the businesses go around. Oh, it's marketing absolutely. and sales are the lifeblood of, of, of business. So what did you major in, Mark? I majored in electronic media which is just a fancy way of saying television production. So it was all about learning the technical aspects of how to run a camera, how to, you know, run audio board, how to, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, how to edit video. And that was something that, although the technical aspects of it fascinated me, I wanted to use it to get into doing things like being a part of like, I don't know, a TV show, whether it was like a sitcom or a drama or I wanted to do stuff like that. But the funny thing is I wound up in the DC area, which is the total opposite of New York or Hollywood. And I really wound up going with the, uh, a very behind-the-scenes kind of career to this point. So, but, but, but a fun career. 
Uh, it's very hard. It's much, much harder than I think people realize. I mean, what I'm doing right now is basically monitoring. Oh my gosh, it's got to be at least if you count all the web channels that we have, it's like 700 ish channels that like I'm responsible for at one time, and things can go downhill pretty fast that customers don't even like know about because like you know they just don't know no it's just one of those things you know you're not supposed to know I guess you're supposed to only see the clean you know final product so yeah it's it's fun it's rewarding it's fulfilling but boy it, it is a tough field to be in so Boy, I almost feel like I'm being interviewed by you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're having conversation. I, I, I find the best podcast I listen to are when we're having we're having the banter and it's just change of information and and then you feel like you're a you're a fly on the wall uh, and and you you've listened to a great conversation rather than just have a, a bunch of questions fired at you and then answers. Yeah, the the, the chemistry is in the energy. No, I totally appreciate that. And uh, you you have such good, like, expressions. I, I love all the wisdom that's uh, coming from this. And that was one reason I wanted to talk to you because, I mean, just looking at your LinkedIn, your website, I just see so much wisdom and I'm hearing that. And uh, I really, I mean, you were talking a minute ago about the changes that you've seen just in marketing. And I feel like that with your, uh, the way your career has evolved, that change has kind of like come with you and you've kind of like lived it. I mean, what, other than like the obvious, the transition from paper to digital, what other changes have you seeing that have really struck you over the years now you're asking <laughs> when the pandemic first struck us i was like what's the big deal because i've gone through three recessions many 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 job changes and run um five businesses myself of which two that i've actually gone and exited and sold and and many businesses that i failed at that i i, I don't share but i i do think that failure should be celebrated because it's kind of like having the marks of, of wisdom and learning and experience. And you, you almost have to go through that transition, that passage of time before you, you dare I say, mature, learn, feel more resilient towards what you're doing. So when you first decided to be an entrepreneur and take that leap, what really inspired you? Was it just, I'm tired of the grind or was it just a very organic thing that just kind of happened naturally? I like to think of it as fate, destiny, or serendipity, if you may, and you wish. Um, I had a great career, but I, Mark, kept getting pushed over for promotion and I couldn't understand it. I'm relatively smart. I'm hard, very hardworking. 
I come from an immigrant family, first generation East African Asians in, in England. So that work ethic, ethic was driven into me. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So I guess right from an early age, I'd learned to sell lemonade for 5p in the streets. At the age of 12, I was reading the Financial Times because my uncle would encourage me. He'd ring me when he'd be coming from abroad to England and say, Shopa, how are you? And I'd be like, I'm fine, uncle. He goes, well, tell me, how's the economy in England? And I'm like, I don't know. And then I'd get scared that what he's going to ask me and he's going to question me. So I spend my pocket money, all 50p of it, buying the Financial Times and learning about it. So I, I think I was almost primed for business and for entrepreneurship from a very early age. And after my career, I had a great career with, with, with really high profile positions, but I still found that I wasn't getting the higher positions. We still had the glass ceiling. I still felt a little bit of the corporate Indian wasn't accepting the Indian lady that I was. Every time I went for a job interview, they'd say to me, so when are you going to have babies? <laughs> Can oh you believe my. it? <laughs> wow. So that was the kind of generation that I grew up in. And then one day, I, um, I, in the middle of a recession, the, the, the company folded. So I was out without a job and I thought, right, I've had enough. I'm going to do something on my own. I have no idea. I had no idea what I was going to do. But I had an absolute deep interest in technology. And, and what was happening in those days was the internet. And I started a web design company, which was the very first web design days when you would create brochure sites for clients. And I remember going to companies and saying, well, this is what we do. And they're like, well, why would we do that? We're like, that's the future. But of course, we hadn't actually embraced the digital age. We were just on the forefront of it, which has been very much part of my career that I'm very much an early adopter. I love innovation. I love the shiny penny. I'm the one, you know, um, coding Alexa in the house, putting an electronic swear box in telling Alexa to start snowing when, when um, to start playing Christmas music when it snows, which it did on Sunday here in England. And I love all of that, the, the, the fact that we can make our lives easier, that we're, we're advancing, we're moving, we're, we're going forward. And that was my first business, which went into one of the first e-commerce companies here in England. And then when I, I, I moved to Canada, I took out, um, I, I sold my business to a publishing house who wanted an internet arm. So it was one of the first businesses that I sold. And I got the taste for it. Once you're successful in business, you, you never work for anyone again. And I, I, I get surprised when people talk about the, the nine to five grind, because guess what? When you're an entrepreneur, it's the 12 to 12 grind. Yeah, I mean, it's a whole different ballgame. Not that I necessarily know, because I, at this point, not really an entrepreneur, but... I've certainly talked to enough of them that if I were to really get to that point, I would know in my head that it's not going to be sitting around and playing PlayStation half the day and working for six hours. And I know it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so, <laughs> but one thing I do want to go back to that I think was a key thing that you brought up is a lot of people I talk to say some of the same things that you said where they just weren't getting that fulfillment. They weren't able to progress in their career the way that they felt they should have been. And, you know, working 
for a company or corporation, whatever the case might be, it can get very political and it can be a bit of a game. And it depends on you. You know, sometimes people like you just have that fire inside and that confidence and they know that they're meant to do more and be more. And you had the awareness in yourself and you said, you know what? I'm a smart person and I have great ideas and I'm going to take the plunge and it's scary, I'm sure. But I mean, you've had your ups and downs, but you're still doing it. And that's amazing. That's, that's why I do this podcast. It's interesting you say that because um, when you're younger, you certainly have a lot more confidence. I think you're also a little bit naive when you're younger and you just want to go ahead and do things. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to be successful. And yeah. many people fail and fail and fail and fail. And they don't appreciate that's just part of the journey. But I didn't really fail in the early days. I was, I was incredibly successful right on. And I think I apportioned a lot of that just to sheer hard work. And by hard work, I don't mean slogging it away, but I mean being smart. Do your market research. Position yourself where, where your clients want to see you. Make sure the services you give them are what the client wants to buy. And I think they're the sorts of secrets when, you, when you're going to launch a business. So when you look back a few decades and technology, the internet, everything was just so much different. And I know that building even like a website took so much more work. I mean, I've built a website with WordPress and even though they give you everything, it's still a lot of work. So I can't imagine the kind of work that you put into your own business back then. It was deep coding in those days. So using HTML, uh, coding everything and a lot of flash technology where you would have moving images on screens. I mean, it's outdated technology now. To, and, and I think WordPress changed the, 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 the world of um, websites because it gave you a format, a framework, uh, and lots of plugins, which made life so much easier and has, has enabled you to have digital um, brochures on your site, which, which is quite phenomenal. I often think, especially over the past like five years, because I had a job that I was at for like 10 years and they wound up restructuring. I left and I've just, in addition to bouncing around the DC area, contract to contract, I've also done a lot of soul searching and all that stuff, like starting a blog, doing a podcast. It's all led me to where I'm at today, all the people I've met, all the things I've learned. And the one thing I've learned is if I was born 10 years later than I was, not only would marketing be a lot more exciting to me, but I would have done things so much differently with my career. I may not have taken the path that I take in to be in broadcasting, I probably would have done a lot of things differently. And uh, that's not to say I have regrets. I just probably would have been a different person. 
And I'm curious to know if just evolving and growing and progressing and just being an entrepreneur as you have been, would that have changed your approach to your career if maybe you had come along in a later generation? If I had come along 20 years later, I certainly would be doing something in the forefront of cybersecurity. I absolutely love innovation, which is why the companies I've run have been a web design company, a web application company, a coaching company way back in 2003, when coaching was at the forefront of, of emerging as an industry, a social media agency all the way back in, in 2009, when people were like, well, you know, what is this social media? It's for kids. It's for influencers. It's for brands. I mean, look at it. We look at where we are today. Um, and a cannabis, um, medicinal cannabis company that is something that I've done as well. I, and and I, I bootstrapped that with someone and, and helped them run that. So I'm always excited with whatever's new. And that's the only thing that I've done. But it's a really interesting question, Mark, because I think I came into this world at the right time. And I've had an amazing career and I, I continue to take my skills and my knowledge and my experiences to work with businesses today. So, you know, despite what they tell you, it's, it's pretty boring sitting on a beach being retired, which is why I, I ended up remarketing myself as a business coach and a, a business, small business consultant. And I, I, I get to do my passion, which is business and, and help business owners to make profit out of their passion. So first of all, only reason I feel like I came along at the right time is because I grew up in the greatest decade, which is the 80s. And I can't imagine not growing up. I mean, you can see behind me all the records I have up. I mean, let's see, three of those records came out in the 80s. So I'm definitely an 80s kid. So I just, for that reason, I'm glad that I came into the world when I did. But uh, let's see, I'm losing my train of thought thinking about the 80s here. But, we uh, had the best music in the 80s. Exactly, that's right. I have often thought about making a podcast just about the 80s. So especially I 80s. That's a phenomenal podcast to have. I'll definitely be a subscriber. <laughs> I appreciate that. Hey, I can get all the subscribers uh, that I can get. So, no, that's very much appreciated. And, uh, boy, you know, there was something I wanted to ask you about what you were talking about there. And actually, one thing, one thing I do want to ask you about. So, did I rewrite that at some point you studied hypnosis? Was, is that true? Hypnosis? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So way back in 2002, I became a, a neuro-linguistic master practitioner. And allied to that, I became qualified in clinical hypnotherapy, which wow. allowed me to run a therapy transformation, positive change clinic here in London, um, where I would work with people that wanted to stop smoking, um, lose weight, have phobias, um, have a business breakthrough, but it was working with feelings, emotions, belief systems, 
and, and narratives and changing the way that mind codes things. And it's, it's phenomenal. I still use all the skills today. And um, I ran that business for a good few years until I got made an offer I couldn't re refuse. And, and you've got to know me a little bit now. I, I love doing different things. And so I went, went into the world of, of technology and, and worked in, in, in web development for a little while. So being an expert in hypnosis, it's not like on TV where you dangle the watch and you're like, you're getting sleepy and you can't like snap your finger and make me do whatever, can you? You can. <laughs> can you? Of course you can. Is that a real thing? It is indeed. Let me qualify it. Let me qualify it. So hypnosis is, is when you allow another person through to access your, your subconscious mind. You're always in charge of your mind. At no point can someone make you do something that you don't want to. Mm -hmm. Because believe you me, if that was the case, I would be no doing no cooking, cleaning, or driving. I would hypnotize people to do it all for me. <laughs> <laughs> when you see people on stage cluck like a chicken and, and do funny things, they have allowed themselves to do that position because they, they want to perform. And there's certain types of people that are perceptive to that. And you'll see the hypnotherapist on say stage hypnotherapy, he or she will have a whole bunch of people out in front. And then he'll go and cherry pick the people that are susceptible and perceptive to being hypnotized. And they know they're doing it. They know they're doing it, but they want to do it. That's so fascinating because <laughs> when I think about being hypnotized, I almost think about like I'm losing, like you're hypnotizing me and now you control me. I have lost control of myself like you would see on a TV show or yeah. at least that's the way it makes me feel whenever I see something like that depicted. So I really, I hope you don't mind that I brought that up but I thought that was really fascinating. I'm glad that I remembered to ask. It was a, a really um, amazing part of my life. It taught me so much about human beings, their limiting beliefs, um, how to help them change, what, what, how, how emotions, feelings, thought patterns present themselves um, and, and, and what stops people moving forward. So, so my main... Um, my main focus was on helping people transform, break through and move forward. And this was at the, the beginning of the personal development movement when people realized that actually I can do something about my life. And then after that came the manifestation period of the secret and thoughts, emotions and beliefs impacting what you attract in the, in the world. But sort of the time that I, I was practicing, it was more about, wow, you, you, you can actually make an impact and you can change a person's mindset through this and today I, mindset is a common word i i bet all this training as i'm listening to you talk i'm like wow this training probably helped you to become such a good coach do you feel that way yourself absolutely it's been many many years of learning wisdom uh, i used to be what you what i used to call myself is a is a personal development junkie and I would constantly I mean I've done all of Robin's courses uh, I, I've done all the big personal development gurus if you may say um, I've trained with them all and that's given me 
a way of thinking, a way of believing, which enabled me to be successful and, and follow through to my dreams and aspirations. So after all of that, it kind of jogged my memory on what slipped my mind. And it's actually a great segue because uh, I want to kind of find out. So you're, you're always seeing like life coach, maybe nutrition coach or fitness coach, but you decided to take the business coaching route. And I just want to kind of find out, I mean, obviously a lot of what you just said about the hypnosis training and everything else and your past, it really kind of all fits together. But what makes you think that, you know, like what was the thing that triggered you to become a business coach and pick that? Yeah, I'm going to take it back a little way, if I may, Mark. And I got, I got triggered to just learn about coaching. So I'm a qualified coach. I've, I've spent many years doing accredited training and um, honing in my skills and my knowledge. And what interested me was the fact that you could actually make a change with people. You could actually support them in the workplace, in their personal lives to make a difference. You see, when I started coaching and I would, I'd qualified and I'd be at a dinner party or something and people say, hey, what do you do? And I say, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a coach. And they'd go, hmm, what's a coach? You mean like a sports coach, like a, a football coach, a soccer coach? And I'm like, no, no, I'm like, like, a, like a, I think in those days I would call myself something like a transformation coach. And they'd be really interested that, oh, I can actually make changes. And that's after a few years after I trained that the industry became a little bit more recognized and known. And it's certainly matured as an industry now. How I became a business coach was actually accidental. I shared with you I'm, I've been an accidental entrepreneur that I got fed up of being um, made redundant. And, and then I just thought, forget this, I'm going to do this on my own. And I remember um, sitting down with a, a piece of paper and think, right, what am I going to do? What's my business going to be about? I had no idea what I was going to do. I just decided I was going to run a business. Now, listen, I tell anybody that today, they're going to think this girl's crazy. But um, I'm into my 21st year this year. Congratulations to me in business. And it was 21 years ago. It was a different ball game that you could, with enough gumption and support and stress and finance, um, create a business model. And I shared with you that it was very important that I went into an innovative place. Well, talk a little bit about what you do today in your business. Are you coaching individuals? Are you coaching businesses? Is it both? Yeah, it, it's businesses, businesses that have generally been in operation for a couple of years. The businesses who the entrepreneurs that run them uh, are very passionate and ambitious. They've proved their concept in business. They're probably making 750 to a million and they want to grow more, but they don't know how to. They're often passionate about a skill or an area or a product or a service and have developed a business model around it, but they have no idea how then to scale. What's going to help them create profits? What's going to help them sustain those profits? And with increased revenue and profits comes a team comes systems, comes structure, comes a mindset, 
So it's working on all of those different areas with the individual or the individuals, if there's co-founders, um, and maybe even the team. Um, and I also run a mastermind where if individuals don't want to work with me one-to-one and they want to have the benefits of a, a group of people in a similar boat to them, I have a group of, I only have six people in a mastermind. So I work them with, with a group. So it's, it's kind of like being at university again, but business university, where you have a lot of support and learning and growth. Um, and, and we create good profits and good, good margins for our clients because we sit down and we look at different areas to create exponential growth. And that's looking at two or three different specific areas is it their marketing? Is it their costs? And when you make tiny little divisions, tiny little knocks in all these areas, the, the impact on the, on the results is so much bigger and adding them all up will give you this approach. So that's in a nutshell how I work. Is, are there any or is there a story or a business or a person that you've worked with that you were like, wow, I'm really proud of the results that I got from this? There's been several, but if I was to pick a digital marketing agency that I worked with, and they were a specialist uh, SEO company, that's all they did. They were brilliant at what they did. If you, if you use the word geek on them, it would fit. And there were two geeks that, that did it really well, and they were great at it. They'd started their business from their bedrooms, and they were starting out charging really silly prices to their clients, £99, for for a month worth worth of SEO. And then they moved that up as they got confident and got more clients and realized it was taking them more work, you know, all the way up to £800, you know, for for a course they were originally charging, um, service they were originally charging £99 for. So my first job there was to go back and explain to them they had to go and coach all their old clients that it was no longer feasible to do this and get them into that mindset of profit mentality, growth acceleration. And in the 17 months that we worked together, we saw a 32% increase in profit. Wow. And that was to looking at areas such as what's the price and strategy? Are they converting properly? Um, how are they converting? Um, what, what is their market domination method? Are they offering any, anything special in the market that the market buys from them and they stand out? Is there a price differential, service differential? Is there a guarantee of certain results, which is exciting too? I mean, you and I both know that if you guarantee something, customers are creating trust with you pretty quickly. Yeah. And, and trust is a, a big touch point. Um, do they have sufficient social media proof? You know, are they, are they farming their, their clients? Is there good retention? I've given you a whole list of certain things that we'll look at. And then we might come to something as recruitment. Many small business owners realize that recruitment is one of the biggest challenges they face because of the churn. They'll manage to recruit someone quite well, but they won't manage to keep them. So it's creating, creating the culture, creating the right pattern. Someone from a corporate background may go want to go and work for a small company and the business owner will be very gung-ho. Oh, I've got this brilliant person. But very soon, the, the corporate um, ex-employee becomes a little bit disgruntled because working for a corporate with its, its trappings and its perks and then working for a small bootstrap business owner are two different things. But it's teaching them to find the right person, teaching them to lead them, nurture them, 
provide a team culture, work culture that works for them. These are all the, all the tiny, tiny areas that I work on. And that's so individual and dependent upon each client. Each client's different. But that's kind of like a, a, a case study of, of where, where I, I gain results. So you, that was one thing I was wondering that you actually, I think you answered for me. So you not only coach to improve the bottom line and the numbers, but you also get involved in improving just the work environment and those kind of things as well. Am I correct in that? It becomes a part of the profit because people are the biggest resource in a business. And if your people are not maximizing their contribution, then the turnover is not going to increase, the, the clients are not going to be serviced, and the profit's not going to be made. So while I work on the bottom line, it breaks down into all these little pieces, and I probably have a checklist of 108 things that I, I want to check off. So business growth can be a science. But of course, it's an art at the same time, because you've got to make this work and make the chemistry and the energy work at the same time. And I think a lot of businesses overlook the fact that the happiness of your staff will take you a long way as far as your success. And that's something that I learned as a manager while I was working uh, at a corporation years ago. I was given the opportunity to look at like employee survey results and try to like ask those questions and try to improve those numbers. And it really goes a long way when people actually listen to their employees and their staff and take it to heart and actually everybody works together to make the environment a better place. So I'm really glad to hear that that's something that you do. That's fantastic. It's a great opportunity to build brilliant businesses because when you've worked from ground up and you've put in systems, structures, processes very early on, it enables the leaders of the business, often the founders, to step back a little bit and let the business run on their own. The next opportunity is that the business owners start enjoying their business. They're working on developing sales and creating cash flow for the business, which is probably their biggest responsibility, while the actual servicing of the business is done by the team. And then it allows the business owners to have created a business that's saleable, should they wish to exit in any manner at all and, and sell to someone and, and cash in on their fruits of labor. So it's very important to have an exit before you start your business and decide what it is you want to do with the business. Very often I come across people in their 60s and their 70s and I've been running a business all their life and they're struggling because they haven't been able to reinvent the business, haven't been able to change with the times. And, and now they have this massive asset, often bricks and mortar, and they don't know what to do with it. Well, I know what to do with our time because I definitely want to stay on time and be responsible using all these things that you said to segue into the last phase of our conversation, which I feel like we could probably go a lot longer with. But it's funny because it looks more like 9.30 on my side than your side. 
<laughs> so I I didn't open up my windows enough, so that's factoring in. But uh, two things before we wrap up. First of all, I want to find out how you're dealing with everything during lockdown and uh, just this whole pandemic era. How has this affected how you do business? It's impacted me radically and it's improved my business radically too. The impact radically was that all of a sudden England went into lockdown in second week of March and we were all working from home. So my clients went into uh, a bit of a, 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 a challenge with them in that what do they do with their offices and they're playing rents and massive overheads, which we worked, pivoted and worked through and gave notice and changed the way they worked. So it was a, it was a massive upheaval. Personally, I had a lot of personal anxiety. Yeah. Um, I'm not an anxious person, but I found the pandemic put me into a bit of a tailspin. How it impacted me later was that I've just, just got used to it and I've made the most of it and I've created routines and systems, just like I work with my, my clients, create a morning routine, get your priorities straight. What are your daily objectives? What's your weekly plan? What's your 90 day plan? And I work to that. And that's kind of kept me into this, this process. Similarly, being locked down and not being able to visit my clients on their sites and just be, you know, I, I forgot mark how much i miss commuting really wow you know, when i walk past the subway I, I sit down and have a look and think oh i wish i could be on a train we're coming up too close to close to 11 months of lockdown here in england and we've had a little bit of respite here and there but it's not been anything major um i guess I maybe um don't mean to tell you off but i guess i should probably be thankful that i'm still commuting every day huh you know what? Yeah, because the intensity of just working from from a home, I, I'm lucky in that I have a lot of space. So I, I, I find that my desk goes to where the best Wi-Fi hotspot is and where I've got some sun. So I, I've worked in the summer, I've worked in the conservatory, and then I've moved up to my bedroom windowsill because it gave me a lookout. I'm in my office today, which, you know, I often don't want to just be sitting and I've created that movement. And then if I go down to the, the, the dining room table, that's my boardroom, you know? So I, I've made fun of it and say to people when I'm on Zooms that this is where I am. But the opportunities that I've been given have been quite phenomenal as well, um, Mark, in that I've been able to work with clients from all over the world. And I have clients in the US that I, I'm helping to build their business. And I have clients in Australia and I'm just signing up another client in India. So my business went from being pretty much European centric and actually to be very fair, 90% UK centric to being global. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I know that there are probably a lot of people out there who are having that experience that, wow, this is a bigger world and a bigger market for me than I realized. And just, I know for me doing just this podcast, it's like, Holy smokes, like the the range and the diversity of people that I get to talk to is just unbelievably. Isn't it great? And uh, that's the whole reason that I'm doing this. And I just want to add that you're definitely not alone as far as coping with the pandemic and how it was making you feel because 
I know for me, as much as this podcast really energizes me, there's there were plenty of moments last year that just had me down, had me doubting life and a lot of other things around it. And, uh, you know, I, much like you, kind of pulled it together and got into my routines and got into a good place. And now it's 2021. I'm just trying to, you know, carry on, you know, it's all you can do is adjust and carry on and do the best that we can. Indeed. So, so Shilpa Panchmadia, I thank you very much for taking time out tonight to uh, do all this. I really appreciate it. And I want to give you an opportunity to tell people how they can reach you and how they can work with you. Mark, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you, really enjoyable uh, and an honor that you, you've chosen to speak to me. I'm pretty accessible all over the web. I have a podcast called Passion for Business, where I talk with entrepreneurs who are doing passionate things with their business and scaling and growing fast. I'm available on my website, which is my name, shilpa-p.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, Shilpa P Business Coach London, on Twitter, Instagram, and Clubhouse, Shilpa TV. So I, I'm lucky in that um, Shilpa Punchmatia, there's only one of me in the world. So if anyone types me in and make sure they get my, my name right, I'll pop up. Absolutely. And uh, I am certainly glad that I got to talk to and meet the only the Shilpa punch Malia. So thank you very much for taking the time out. I wish you continued success and happiness and, uh, you know, definitely growth on your podcast and just growth in your business. I think what you're doing is amazing. And like everybody else I've had on this show, really inspiring to me. So thanks for being on Mark My Words. Thank you, Mark. All right, everybody. That is it for us. I'm Mark Schmidt, and she is Shilpan Panchmalia, which I can't believe I actually said correctly each time. And uh, thanks for listening. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Bye for now. Bye.